starting a new series today, and it's our last series of our overarching theme that we've called Listen, Love, Lead, like we have on the, the back wall behind me here, where we've spent time trying to listen to God, listen to each other, to lovingly work through what we hear, and then to lead ourselves, the church body, to look more Jesus, to make a difference uh, a Jesus-sized difference in our community. And God has been faithful to build his church, hasn't he? In July, around July 2021, uh, and I use that as a step because that's when we for sure started to come back and be live and in person. Back then at Life Center here, we were averaging about 70 people who had registered to come and be here live and in person. Which is, which is awesome. By July 2022, we were averaging about 117 people per week that were connecting with our services through Life Kids, youth, watching online, and obviously being present on Sunday mornings. And over the last four weeks, I tallied up the numbers, and we were averaging 187. I know, crazy, huh? And I've got limited math skills. Uh, I'm not. Even, is that me? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just talking. So, so my limited math skills say that's like a hundred and sixty-seven percent increase from that first seventy that we would start working with. It's probably my mic, right? Does anybody know? Yeah. My fault? <laughs> you guys are in a really dark room back there, so when you guys make hand gestures, it's a black room, so it's all good. I'll just switch to a different mic. Is that what you want? Still a black room that I can't see anything in, so. Yeah. There, there's lights on. Yes, switch to another mic. All right. Host. All right, I'm going to take this off then. You can't see it. All right. Normally, I don't like speaking with a mic in my hands, but we'll make it work. This is the least of all the trials we can deal with. But 167%, that's quite an increase over from July 2021. And in about a 60% increase from that original number happened just in 2022. God is building his church. Not Life Center. It has nothing to do with the name on the door. It has everything to do with this is the body of Christ. And God is calling people to come and worship him. And we are just, we're humbled that you're here and that, that God has called you to worship with us. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and that doesn't even include the number of people that we serve and we reach out to through our mobile mission and that you reach out to and serve in your everyday lives. The effect that this church is having in this community continues to grow by God's grace. And uh, we're just so grateful that you're, you're here in the midst of it, wherever you are in your journey and however long you're with us. We are absolutely so grateful that you're here today. So in the midst of this though, knowing that this is not the end, that 187 averaging over the last number of weeks, that's that God's not done. 
that we're going to continue to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to continue to impact our community, both through Mobile Mission and through your own individual acts of kindness, generosity, and sharing God's word. We're going to make a difference in the city. And so in this next series, we pray that it will help us all grow, both in biblical perseverance, to not grow weary in well-doing and thinking, wow, 187, that's pretty good. We can just like put it on cruise control and just stay there. But that we would not grow weary in well-doing, that we'd be able to reap the harvest that God has for us, all of which means we need to live a counter-cultural mission. And it may seem adversarial to live counter to the culture, but it really speaks of our unique position in Christ. We would define it like this, that countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently than cultural norms. Because to live culturally, counterculturally, means that we'll need to follow the example of God and get into the dirt. Because grace demands humility. It demands that we embrace people exactly where they are while not compromising the righteousness of Christ to which we are called. We counter humanity's sinful nature with our new spiritual nature through Christ. And it's a dirty road that will lead us through a gate of decision. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Following Jesus means that our feet are going to be stepping through that narrow gate of decision to say Jesus and nothing else. And then staying on that path that is hard. And why is it hard? It's because our eyes are not set on what this world has to offer us, but it's set on Christ alone. Each of us, wherever we are, is called to minister as Christians as we follow Jesus. And which generally means, as we minister, to attend to the needs of, to provide for others. And this isn't an institutional thing. Rather, it's a personal calling and a collective calling for us to love like Jesus. For example, we saw in, in that video there uh, of Glenn, but if somebody uh, doesn't have a quote-unquote Christian construction company, rather they are a Christian who has contractors and construction workers who live out their faith and do business by Christ's ethics. But the company itself is not Christian. The things we create aren't Christian. We are. And our challenge is that we live in a world that is calling us to create things that do not reflect who we are. And aren't the voices many? It can become so noisy hearing all the calls 
that we don't know which call to answer. No matter where we run or turn to, there's a call to take a stand on something or to stand against something or, or a call for us to be one thing or another. And today, you might be in your 20s and 30s and you're deciphering what your call is. Maybe you're a little bit older and you're, you're in your 40s or 50s and you're deciding what next to do with your call and where it's going to lead you. Maybe you're in your 60s and 70s and you're praying for wisdom and how to hand off some of what God has entrusted you to encourage and pray and coach the reinforcements that are coming. And while each stage of life is profoundly different, living on a countercultural mission is rooted in leaning and learning to trust in God's transforming power while not succumbing to the really, really tempting powers of our own culture. Today, for us, it brings us to another place in the Bible where the glory of God seems to get right down in the dirt, in this case, literally, to Moses, the leader of the Israeli, Israeli people as they were coming out of Egypt. Now, there's a lot we could learn from his life. This is probably one of the most iconic leaders in the Bible that we can look at, who is leading a million people strong through the desert and into a new life. And so there's lots of lessons we could learn from him. Learn from all of his mistakes where he disobediently strikes a rock when he's supposed to just say something. We can learn how he, he learned to lead in the wilderness as a, as a shepherd and then led people through that. We could, we could learn all sorts of things. The disappointments of being a leader. Coming down with Ten Commandments and finding the crazy party going on worshiping other gods. We could learn so many lessons. We could learn about what it's like to be in the cleft of the rock when God reveals himself. We could learn what it looks like to confront leaders when he confronted Pharaoh. And we could learn from his insecurities, his stuttering, his stammering, and overcoming those things. And these are all amazing. And I'm sure you could do a deep dive on them and, and look at them and what you could learn for your life as a marketplace minister or in, in your setting. But they flow out of something that happens before all of that, that is a precursor to them. Because those moments, they're specific to him. Chances are, we're never going to part waters. We're not going to part the St. Lawrence and go to the other side. It's not going to happen. We're not going to bring Ten Commandments down from, I don't even, there's not even a mountain. Big Ben. We're not, not nothing's going to happen, right? It's not going to happen that way. Those are specific to Moses. But something that we can all deal with and something we can all hold on to is the process that got him there, the place where God separated the ordinary and it became holy. It started when Moses, seeing the brutality of what Israel, the Israelis were facing, he decides to, to confront an Egyptian slave master over, over the way he was treating a Hebrew slave, and he kills him in that moment. Put plainly, what does he do? He addresses a real problem 
with the power of that culture. Just as it would do today, it led to a crisis moment for him, a crumbling of everything Moses had by the power of that culture to a life in the desert. But even when we're unsure of who we are, when things are crumbling around us, I want you to hear this. God never loses sight of who he's made you to be. He never loses sight of who he made you to be. And God redeems. God redeems. Your story can be redeemed. Let's take a look at Moses here. Now Moses was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came out to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. I think that would catch all of our attention. There's something of fire in the middle of the desert, and if something catches fire in the desert, it's going to be pretty dry. We know it's going to burn up, and probably pretty quick. So seeing something on fire maybe didn't catch his attention at first, except he kept watching, and it didn't dwindle, and it didn't die down. It just kept burning, but it wasn't actually burning. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight. Why, the bush is not burned. I don't know who talks like that. Maybe it's lost in translation. But when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Of all that God was going to do through Moses, this is a catalyst moment for that. And for many of us today, I hope this can be a catalyst moment or a moment of clarity for our lives. In those verses in 3 and 4, the place where Moses turns aside and the Lord sees him turn aside. So the question for us this morning is this, where is God's presence in this season? And are you turning aside? Where do you see God's presence burning in this season? And are you turning aside to see it? Again, I think about all that's about to transpire in his life. The defining moment is this place where he turns aside and the Lord sees him. In this place, ordinary becomes holy. Ordinary, walking through the desert, minding his sheep, seeing something there becomes holy. In a world which is so noisy, in a season where your life is filled with so many calls, so many voices pulling you in different directions, in a time where we're looking back at failures of our life and dreaming ahead of what could be, there's value in learning from others, from being inspired even by, by church leaders and preachers and things like that. But this you need to know. You need clarity on where it is that God is at work in you. Ruth Haley Barton puts it this way. 
Learning to pay attention and knowing what to pay attention to is a key discipline for leaders, but one that rarely comes naturally to those of us who are barreling through life with our eyes fixed on a goal. Whatever your goal is, maybe your goal is just making it through tomorrow. Maybe your goal is vacations or, or retirement or whatever, but our eyes set on these goals and we don't, we don't pay attention to what God wants to do. For me, one of my earlier, most defining clarion moments like that, knowing what to pay attention to, happened in a living room chair in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, where I sat journaling and reading my Bible, listening to God, following a season of crumbling in my life. It was a place where I saw God and I turned aside. And it's so definitive for me that it's become something that I've tried to integrate into my, the rhythms of my life. Finding time to turn aside only to hear God's voice. Only to see what God wants to do. And if it was just you and I, one-on-one, in a conversation, while it may be nice to hear your dreams and what you'd hope will come and be and where your life will turn to, there might be something deeper that I'd like to hear, like to know. What I would want to know is, do you know where God is calling you to obey? Do you know where God is calling you to obey him? Because knowing this brings freedom and grace to step into moments, moments that you don't feel ready for, moments like Moses, where they're learning moments and you're, you're on the fly trying to figure out how to do things. And where we look at Moses for examples and he falls short on those obeying moments, where his example is imperfect, you can always look to Jesus because he is perfect. Jesus, when he was approaching the cross, when he knew that his life was on the line, when he knew that his mission to die for our sins and grasp power over death and sin. Luke in 9.51 describes his faithfulness to that call. Because it says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Or in another translation, the New Living Translation, it says this, At the time, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolved himself to go to the very city in which he knew the leaders would want to kill him because he knew what that moment was all about. And sometimes keeping our options open and our opportunities in front of us is wise. Holding them all there so we have options, it's wise sometimes. But sometimes in life, it's actually because we're weak or too fearful to step into the obedience that God is calling us to. I want you to hear this. And this should be liberating for you. You are not the hero of the gospel. But neither are you just playing tree number three in some kid's play. You have a vital role to play. The role of you. And the greatest gift that you can live 
in and lead others from is your place of holy ground, your place of knowing who you are, why God has you here, and living out of that place. So as business leaders, as professionals, workers of any kind, students, and those at home, it is Jesus whom we desire, Jesus whom we need, Jesus that we lack, and Jesus that we must pursue in every activity of every day because he is the one thing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian who, theologian who stood up to the Nazis and paid for it with his life. He had it right when he said this, when Jesus calls a man or woman, he bids him come and die because Jesus is our place of holy ground. The Holy Spirit is that indwelling of that holy moment. For some of us, we need to recover from living our faith that's really been more of a cultural faith. And some of us are stepping new into faith. But we need to return to and live out a simple obedience, a denial of the flesh. Because it leads us to live a countercultural mission. Martin Luther, he once wrote on the power of that holy moment. He said, if we could grasp and believe for a certainty that God is our father and that we are his sons and heirs, the world would immediately seem vile to us. With everything that it regards as precious, such as righteousness, wisdom, kingdoms, power, crowns, gold, glory, riches, pleasure, and the like. We would not attach our hearts so firmly to physical things that their presence would give us confidence and the removal would produce dejection and even despair. Luther describes the way of joy and peace, satisfaction and humility but we must think counterculturally to arrive at these things. We must grasp and believe that on holy ground, God is our Father in Christ and that we are his children. He is our I am. And for us today, just beginning to live counterculturally means that we need to, again, hear and obey Jesus when he speaks to us. And in countercultural terms, we could look at that and say this, like Jesus when he says, but I say to you who hear, there's a lot of people in the, the place where he was talking when he says this. And so when he says, but I say this to you who hear, he's speaking to a large group and knowing that there's only some that are going to hear him in that moment. There's only some that are present that are going to hear what he actually is saying to them. But he says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you and pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. 
And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back that same amount. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. Just full stop right there. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Those are powerful words. That's a challenging message for us in today's culture. When living out the message of Jesus seems both countercultural and adversarial to the culture around us. But it's what we're called to. And this isn't a checklist, but a heart check. God's glory has come down and gotten dirty. It has been poured out in jars of clay to be poured out as an offering. How? Because the things and ways of the world hold no power over us. We seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. That alone will be countercultural. There is no power comparable to the love of God. The agape love that's planted in us, bearing fruit in us, that keeps us from being like the adversary, and it releases our enemies from the presence of their own hatred. So today, some questions for us. Where is God calling you? Where do you see that burning bush, that presence of God where he is calling you? And are you turning toward or away from God's call? If you turn towards his call, will you trust God to meet you? Will you trust him to meet you on that ordinary ground and, and turn it holy? Will you trust him to meet you in that place that you always go and that thing that you always do, but see God saying, turn aside and see what I'm actually doing here. At the place where you work, the people you hang out with, when you go to Tim Hortons and have your regular coffee with friends, can you see what God is doing in that moment? Can you see the moments where he says, no, this is the part where you tell him about how your life changed because of who I am in, my, in your life. This is the time where you tell him that God has totally transformed your marriage because you have submitted to him. This is the time where you tell him that your business has flourished because you decided not to do it unethically but to give God the glory in everything that you do. Will you turn aside when God says, 
here's that burning bush moment, that holy moment for you to step into. Will you step into love for each other and for a lost and broken world? That the few who walk through that narrow gate could be just a few more. Because there's still empty seats in this place. There's still more room for people who need to hear in Cornwall that God loves them, God will meet them where they're at, that there is a better future, that the things of this world can grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Will you turn aside? Because that is our counter-cultural mission. To close my message, adapted a prayer from Ted Loder, who's of, who's of uh, Gorillas of Grace. And I just, just love to pray it over us as I close before Pastor Ingrid comes. Holy One, God our Father, there's something that we need to tell you. But something always seems to get in the We've had errands to run, bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to go to, friends to entertain, washing to do. And we forget what it is that we wanted to say to you. And maybe more so, in all of it, we forget what we're actually all about or even why we're here. So today, God, don't forget us, please for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, you already know what we want to tell you. What we want to ask is forgive us, heal us, increase our courage, please. Renew us in your love, your faith, in a sense of confidence, in a vision of what it could be like to live certain that you're real that we mattered and that everyone was a sister and a brother. What we want to ask you in our blundering ways is don't give up on us and we won't give up on you. Amen. May you have the courage to turn to where God is at work and as you do, may it be holy. Thank you.